yes, uh, our Bible reading this morning is on Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 8 to 19. In the church Bibles, this can be found on page 1209. On page 1209. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Um, Verses 8 to 19. By faith, Abraham went called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obey and went, even though he did not know where he was going by faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God has said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from this. Let's thank you very much. You said Indonesian is not a a difficult language, but Thai is. Thai is a difficult language. Well, good morning. Uh, My name's Chris, and um, good to see you here this morning. Uh, it feels like an evening service, doesn't it? Uh, it's dark outside, and everyone came in five minutes late. Um, we're, we're, coming to the, we're coming to the end of our, serv- our series, uh, looking at the lives of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, so next week, we'll start our Advent series, which is about peace. And uh, peace is what Jesus brings and what this world really needs at this time. But today's title is Abraham, Sarah, and the Life of Faith. And I want to look at Hebrews 11, which is all about faith. It gives us a definition of faith. 
and then lots and lots of examples of faith of, of which Abraham and Sarah are one example. Um, so I want to start with Hebrews 11 verse 1 and look at the fact that, that the writer to the Hebrews wants to make the point that what has characterized the lives of God's people throughout history is faith. Often it's heroic faith. And Abraham in Romans, so Paul writing, he says that Abraham is the father of faith. He is the, the great example of faith. So let's have a look this morning about what faith is. It's good to look at different translations of this first verse in Hebrews 11. Uh, the NIV says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, I want to suggest that the NIV translators, those who translated uh, this, this translation, didn't quite get that verse quite right. It was dangerous to say that. But I, I say it not on my authority, but of nearly all of the commentaries that I've read on this chapter. Um, it, it, it sounds like I'm trying to muster up the conviction for something that I don't really have evidence for. I like the, the New Living Translation behind me, which says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. You see, faith without evidence isn't really faith. It's stupidity. We, we need evidence. Now, let me explain what I mean. We are in winter, folks. I struggle with with winter, especially after living in Thailand for five years. My body seems to need a lot more sleep in winter. I mean, look, it's dark outside. What, what is this? And lots of you go to work in the dark. You come home in the dark. The traffic is horrendous, isn't it, in winter? But I have faith that winter will not last forever. It feels like it lasts forever sometimes. But my act of faith this November was buying a load of spring bulbs, tulips, daffodils. What evidence do I have that these bulbs will come up? It's the last 47 years that I've seen them coming up. I have evidence that winter is not eternal. After six months of winter, it feels like six months, the daffodils of spring tell me summer is coming. And in the spring, I get a taste, a foretaste of what I will fully experience in July. Now, my definition of faith for you this morning, I've got two definitions. My first definition is faith is living in such a way that your eye is on summer coming. Faith is living with the evidence that the future is coming. We're celebrating Advent, the coming of Jesus but there's gonna be a second advent of Jesus when he puts right everything that is cursed and wrong about this world and everything that is wrong about humanity. What is the evidence that this new creation is coming? That this second advent is coming? It is the physical, historical evidence of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's the evidence. So my one-line definition for faith in De December 2022 is living in winter with an eye on summer coming. Ben Colclough isn't here. He normally wears shorts all winter. There is a man of faith. 
Well, I want to unpack this, the, the life of Abraham and Sarah. And I'm going to split it into three, divide our time into three. We're going to see that faith is active trust based on deep thoughtfulness involving many difficult tests. Faith is active trust based on deep thoughtfulness involving many difficult tests. First of all, faith is active trust, and we see this in verses 8 to 10 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, verse 8, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, many of you have left your country. Many of you have come from Iran. It's been amazing to, to baptize 10 people in the last few weeks uh, from, from Iran. And many of you have, have come to the UK. You might find this a precious verse, that Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive his, 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 as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. But faith isn't just having the head knowledge that God is there. We had a census, didn't we? Uh, the results of the census show that for the first time, over half the population of Britain is not Christian. But actually by Christian, they really mean people that have head knowledge that God is there. Half the people of this country believe in some kind of God. But that's not enough. Faith is not passive, it's active. And Jonathan Berry made this point last week. He referred to James. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 24, where James really shows that faith is active. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? And the answer is no, it can't. Abraham and Sarah were not intellectuals. Their faith caused them to take a leap. They left everything behind. Their faith caused them to take a totally different path in life. They left their land. They left their family. They left their religion. They surrendered everything to this call of God in their lives. Sometimes they failed. They took things into their own hands, but when they did that and they realized they repented and they turned back and they took another leap of faith over and over again, they actively trusted again. Abraham actively went into a hostage situation, remember, to rescue his nephew Lof, Lot. He actively interceded for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and for those that were righteous there. He actively surrendered his one and only son, Isaac, as we saw last week, to the will of God. His active trust justified him, not simply believing that there's a God there. Now, the problem we might have as readers of the Bible, readers of the New Testament, is that Paul, the writer of Romans, in Romans 3.28, he says that we're justified by faith alone, apart from the works of the law. And the great cry of the Reformation, of Martin Luther, 
And we are descendants at Above Bar Church of the Reformation, a Protestant church. The great cry was sola fide in Latin, faith alone. No works needed, no mass needed, no praying for the dead needed, no priests needed, no Virgin Mary needed. Faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, by grace alone, scripture alone. But I'm saying that faith is active trust. It involves works. How can this be reconciled? Okay, let me ask you a question. What color pants am I wearing? Where's Callum Hartgray days? Here. What would Callum say? What color pants am I wearing? Red. Yes, that's why I'm wearing these red pants today. But according to a British person, I'm actually wearing navy blue pants. You didn't need to know that. To an American, I'm wearing red pants. To a British person, I'm wearing navy blue pants. But the American would agree with the British person according to his definition of pants, that I'm wearing navy blue pants. And a British person would agree to the American's definition of pants that I'm wearing red pants. So according to the American definition of pants, I am wearing red pants. And according to the British definition, I'm wearing navy blue pants. In the same way, Paul and James would agree with each other according to each other's definition of faith. Because by faith, James is referring to this just, yeah, I believe God is there kind of faith, an intellectual kind of faith. But Paul means active trust, taking that leap over and over again. It's not a blind leap. But you don't, you don't have faith just by saying a creed. If I want to become a Muslim, I say, Ashadu an la illa il Allah wa ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah Allah, something like that anyway. I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of God. That's it, I become a Muslim. But you do not become a Christian merely by reciting words. Can such a faith save you? No, it cannot. There needs to be action. Uh, hence the picture on the slide before of Charles Blondin. Charles Blondin was a tightrope walker who became famous in the summer of 1859 by walking a tightrope across the Niagara Falls over to Canada, back to America, over to Canada, back to America. And huge crowds looked on with shock and awe. Once he crossed in a sack. Once he crossed on stilts, apparently. How did he do this? Once he took a frying pan and fried an omelet, crossing the Niagara Falls. And on the 15th of July, Blondin walked backwards on the tightrope. And after pushing a wheelbarrow across, Blondin, it is said, cried out to the audience, do you believe I can carry a person in this wheelbarrow as I cross the tightrope? And they all cried out, yes, we believe you. And then he said, of course, well, who's going to get in the wheelbarrow? See, faith is not just saying you believe, it is making the leap. So, folks... Is there something this morning that God is calling you to do? 
Is there someone he is calling you to speak to? Is there someone he's calling you to have around for dinner? Is there a move that God is calling you to make? Is there an overseas trip? Is there an overseas mission? Is there something that has come up and God is signposting this for you and confirming it this morning even? Is it baptism? You know what Paul says about salvation in Romans 10 verse 9? He says that if you believe in your heart but also confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. The first step of Christian faith, the first step of Christian obedience is baptism. Believe and be baptized. It's been amazing to baptize people from overseas. How about our youth? Hey, youth, if you're watching this on TV, believe and be baptized. Exercise faith. Faith is active trust. Maybe it means for you to go through the waters of baptism. So faith is active trust, but secondly, it's based on deep thoughtfulness. We see this in verses 11 to 19. Let me read to you verse 11. By faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who'd made the promise. See, her act of faith there was an act of the mind. She considered. She reasoned. What did she reason? Maybe something like this. God has called us. God has given us promises of a land, of a people, that he's going to bless the earth through us. And based on her past experience, she considered that he would continue to be faithful. And even though Sarah was barren, Sarah and Abraham trusted God for the child that had been promised to them. Then in verse 17, have a look at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned, verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. So in the act of offering up his only son, which was the subject of last week's message, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. Abraham was given this strange contradiction where God says, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to bless the world through Isaac. And then he says, I want you to sacrifice your son. Well, he engages his mind and he thinks, how on earth can this work? And then he comes to the conclusion, God must be able to raise the dead. And this apparent contradiction will work itself out. And numerous times, if you read Hebrews 11 all the way through, why don't you do that this afternoon? Read Hebrews 11 all the way through. Numerous times, the heroes of faith reason and consider and think and study 
and they exercise their minds. They think things through. You see, many people think of faith as something that you have when there's no evidence. No, faith is something you have when there is evidence. The reason that I believe spring will come and that this eternal winter will end is what has happened to me these last 47 years. I engage my mind and I declare summer is coming. Now, a whole bunch of us listening this morning, you might not need to poke and probe and test. You can just believe the gospel. You can just take the Bible at face value. And that's great. In some ways, I envy you. But some of us, we have to keep asking questions. We see things the gospel claims, and then we see the world, and we struggle with hard questions. Why is God allowing this suffering? All my Christian life, I've struggled with hard questions and hard scriptures. So many scriptures, I still can't figure out, what does this, what does this mean? When I was in my 20s, I used to talk, uh, because I became a Christian at 19, I used to talk with my non-Christian friends, but some of them would say, hey man, just, let's, just, let's just smoke weed, let's just have a drink, because all this is too much, I'm checking out. But true faith says, we need to be responsible with our questions. We need to poke and probe and doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is part of faith. Asking questions is part of faith. But what I keep coming back to is the resurrection of Jesus. Why am I a Christian? I have the evidence. I'm a historian, you see. I love looking at evidence. The evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, for me, is convincing. For me, I'm different from other people. My, my Christian faith isn't actually based on my experience with God, though I have had experience of God. I also could answer the question, what are the answers to prayer you've received? So many. But for me, my Christian faith is based on facts. I go to 1 Corinthians 15, where, where Paul talks about facts, where he says, these are the things of first importance. Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures. He was raised according to the scriptures. He was seen by the 12. He was seen by Peter. And he was seen by 500 people at the same time. And some of them are already still alive. Why don't you go and ask them, Paul says. For Paul, faith is based on this deep thinking, even though it is also active trust. The life of faith is a life of study and of reasoning and of reconsidering. There are lots of secondary issues on which I've changed my mind. Secondary issues, not primary issues. And there are secondary issues on which people here at Above Bar, we disagree. Things that don't involve salvation, secondary things. And that's fine. Don't get fixed on, on, on an issue. Read, study, talk all your life through because the life of faith is active trust, but it's based on deep thoughtfulness all your life. And thirdly, it involves many tests. We see this all through the life of Abraham and Sarah, don't we? The, 
the ultimate example of, of a test was last week where Abraham was told to offer up his son, his only son. Now, in our series, we've talked about trees. Do you remember this? That trees in the book of Genesis are places of blessing and testing. Adam and Eve lived among the trees where they were blessed and where they were tested and their faith was tested. Abraham and Sarah are like a new Adam and Eve. The text keeps telling us they live near the trees of Mamre. And when you read that, you think, uh-oh, test is coming. And before this test in Genesis 22, Genesis 21:32 says that Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And in the greatest test of all, Abraham was to take his son and put the tree on his back and lie him down on a tree on the mountain of the Lord. And on that occasion, Abraham passed the test. Oftentimes, though, he failed, like us. And I think the writer of Genesis is showing that he's like Adam because he listened to the voice of his wife. Not that listening to the voice of your wife is bad, but it's it's making the connection with Adam, who listened to the voice of his wife. And so on that occasion, he sent his servant and his son into the desert. That was a bad thing he did with Hagar and Ishmael. He lied about Sarah. He gave in to fear. He gave in to cynicism. Remember that he laughed at God. God came to their house, and Sarah and Abraham laughed at God. He tried to shortcut the promises of God. The life of faith is full of ups and downs. It's like snakes and ladders. The apostle Peter tells us why we are tested in his letter in the first chapter, verses six and seven. Peter says this, now for a while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. What does that mean? It means this. Through our tests and trials, God is refining our faith. He's making our faith like gold. Gold is is burnt. Gold is refined. The rubbish comes off. The dross is melted in the fire. And so it is with our faith through the trials of life that we experience. What's the second most read book in history? It is, it's the Pilgrim's Progress. And this book written by John Bunyan is all about the life of faith and how many trials does Pilgrim have to endure before he reaches the celestial city. In the last two weeks, I've been to two significant family funerals and I've been reflecting on life. One of these funerals, the man died with faith in God, and one, as far as I know, did not. One endured his trials knowing that his faith was being refined by all the tests he faced, and that summer was coming. One did not believe that summer is coming, only that winter would sort of last forever. Who's the greatest footballer who's ever played? Pele. 
We heard yesterday that Pele, Pele is having uh, end-of-life palliative care. His life is coming to an end. But uh, he said last night, didn't he, I have faith in God. I, I know where I'm going. I know who I have believed, and he is able to keep that which is committed to me against that day. What about you and what about I? Are we going to choose to live in winter forever when summer is on the way? In the spirit of Hebrews 11, let me present you some, some heroes and ask you about them. Adoniram Judson, have you heard of him? Yeah, he had the capacity and intelligence to, and the charisma to become the president of the United States, but he gave his life to work in the tribal jungles of Myanmar. He was buried alive twice. Why did he do that? Why did William Tyndale, who was a literary genius, live as a vagabond all his life, hounded, hounded by spies of the British government and finally give his life to be burnt at the stake? Why did Hudson Taylor leave behind a blossoming medical career and spend 50 years in China losing his wife, his daughter, his son to cholera and meningitis? Why did he do that? Why did 21 Coptic Christians kneel on, the bent, on a beach in Tripoli and have their heads chopped off by ISIS a couple of years ago because they refused to deny Jesus? They tasted the future. They knew that summer was coming. They had evidence. They were living by faith. And what they tried to do with their lives was bring some of the summer into this winter, some of that kingdom into this world. And that's what you and I are called to do. That's living by faith, bringing some of that summer into this winter. So folks, let's contend for this faith that was once and for all entrusted to God's people. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Steward the gift. As we close, let me ask you two questions. What have been the major challenges to your faith that you have faced? And what have been some significant answers to prayer that you've witnessed? Maybe you can think about that in a moment of quiet. <clears throat>